Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven through eighteen. It says, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, and yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair; persecuted, but not forsaken; struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live." Are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus also will uh, raise up. Raise us up with Jesus, and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. The grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working uh, for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so as we look at this passage, I want to remind you that Paul has been defending himself against the accusations being made about him. He's defending himself to the church that he started there in Corinth. And he had told them already that the authority by which I speak is on behalf of the Lord. Uh, the, the, the authority by which I speak is also by you guys being the testimony of my witness that uh, I came bringing you the gospel, I came bringing you Christ, and, and that was it. And so he's doing that. And he, by way of reminder, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, um, since we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. What is the ministry? Is the New Testament. We have the gospel message. And because we have that message, we don't lose heart because we understand what we have in Christ, who Christ is, and what we are to do with that. And so he says the gospel which once was veiled is no longer veiled to us, but it is still veiled to those who are perishing, who don't have it. So we preach Christ, not ourselves, verse 5. And so he goes on to say in verse 7, he says, So because of all these things, he wants them to understand. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The word treasure speaks of valuables or, or something precious to possess. The treasure is the greatest of the gospel. And he's saying the, the, the treasure that we have is the gospel message, salvation. And he says, we have that treasure in earthen vessels. That earthen vessel at that time would be a clay pot. Now, clay pots back then were, were that's what they had. They were popular, famous, everything else. It would be like us having almost Tupperware or, 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 or the, you know, the black tubs with the, with the yellow lids now that you could buy at Sam's Club and Costco and, and t all the stores and stuff, right? And it's just, this, you put everything in it. But... I want to ask you guys a question. Do you have something of value inside something that's not of value? And what I mean by that uh, is things like this. I have safes at home. I have two safes. And uh, one safe specifically has uh, papers in it, uh, mortgage papers and different things. It has 
our uh, passports in it. It has all these kinds of you know valuable things, birth certificate things, whatever. Another one has pew uh, pews in them, um, and it has um, jewelry and a few other things in it of value. Now the safes itself were about that safe was about a hundred bucks, one hundred fifty bucks. The things inside that safe, a lot more, a lot more. And so um, there are things, do you ever, I don't know if any of you have a, a junk drawer or something like that, and in that junk drawer, you actually have valuables. You know, I just recently, uh, I was cleaning up the garage and I found this photo album, and in the photo album was a picture of uh, my first Christmas with my then girlfriend, who is now my wife, and um, it was a picture of her holding this uh jewelry chest thing that I bought her, a little uh, thing, and, and she still has it. It's, it, you know, and she keeps her earrings and rings and stuff in it, and so the th that jewelry chest, it's a little uh, wood chest thing, it's about this big or whatever, and, and it was, I don't know how much it was, probably 30 to 50 bucks, I don't know, but however much it was, it, the value of it is nothing compared to the value of the jewelry that she puts in it, and so when you think about the things like that, like the things that we have often that contain something of valuable, like think about this. For those of you who have a phone and when you've, if you've gotten a new phone and you know, maybe it was wrapped or something and you pull it out of the box, your phone wasn't a hand-me-down, like you get this new phone. The box is worth a few cents probably, right? But that phone inside is worth a lot more. Right? And so that understanding of like, it's not the box that you care about, right? And if we were talking about Matt, it's like the pizza box and then the pizza, you know, <laughs> no, uh, but the value of what's inside. So he's saying, listen, for us as humans, we're like that clay pot. But what's inside us is a treasure. And that what's inside us is the gospel. It, it, it's a treasure to be protected. Have you ever seen a movie? I'm sure we have, where there's something of value to be protected. I mean, going back to uh, Indiana Jones, you know, and all these things, you know, when he's going in and there's all these booby traps and there's all these other things, right? In, in order to get to what he's looking for, he has to go through all these other obstacles, right? Uh, was it National Treasure? And, and there's other movies, right, where they're trying to break into a, a vault or a, a bank and stuff, but there's all these different sensors and locks and safes and everything else, and they come up with these plans and stuff and uh, to, to break in. But the point is, is the owners saw so much value to what was in that safe, what was in that vault, whatever, that they put those pr things in place to protect what was inside. So my question to you is, what do you do in order to protect what you have? And that's the gospel. Now, when we protect it, it's not only protecting it for ourselves, but it's protecting it because we're actually supposed to share it. This treasure is the gospel. This treasure is salvation that originated with God. And we have to be reminded of scriptures like this in John 1, 12 and 13, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so this treasure has changed your life. 
In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 26, it says, You once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Listen, it says, What you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. And so he's, what Paul is saying is this. He compares the value of God's light and glory to the value of what he chose, uh, but his light and glory, uh, chose to put his light and glory into. So he's saying for you and I, we're but a, a clay pot, but what we have in us is priceless. And, and he's saying to us, listen, we have become ministers of the gospel. We have become protectors of this. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. But here's the thing he's telling us, where to go share that. See, Paul didn't just get this treasure and say, listen, uh, it, it's my precious, you know, it's like this little, like it's mine, you can't have it. No, he, the Lord told him, listen, this is yours to protect, but you also need to pour it out. You need to share it. You need everybody to come see it and give them some of this treasure. God has found you and I worthy to be a container for His glory, for His light, for His salvation. Notice it says in verse 7 that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, I think sometimes we feel like, well, I'm not worthy to become a Christian or to have God be, use me and all that stuff. And the point is, is exactly that. You know, it's funny. You see those infomercials and stuff where there's like that seal spray. Uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's like you could spray it in a boat or whatever. And, and then the boat doesn't sink. You know, it's like this uh, black spray sealer stuff, whatever. What's it? Flex seal. Yeah. And you're saying, oh, look, at you can spray this on. And here's the thing, you guys, let me tell you. When you feel like you're busting up, when you feel like you're cracking, the Lord prepares you. The gospel repairs us from the inside out. He repairs us from the inside out. When we feel like we should be leaking, when we feel like I can't go on anymore, the Lord says, listen, exactly. As you're being used by God, people are going to see the excellence of God and not of you. And that's what he gets into in the next verses. He says, we are hard pressed on every side and not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, well, I have a bigger plan for you. What Paul's saying is the suffering that he went through brought forth life. His life was hard. Paul's life was hard because he was passionate about the gospel, passionate and devoted to Jesus Christ. And yet because of that, he was actually sought after to be killed. There's a point in the book of Acts in chapter 32, 23 where it says that these men plotted to kill Paul 
and they, they made a pact that they wouldn't sleep or, or eat until they killed him. You ever think about that? You ever think like people are after you? And maybe it's not to kill you, but maybe to destroy your reputation or, or, or whatever. But for Paul, he said, listen, matter of fact, in a little bit, he's going to say in verse 17 that everything he's gone through is but a light affliction. See, I want to encourage you guys and let you know that part of God's process of refining our faith and maturing us is the use of trials. And with the use of trials, trials are a necessary element of God training us. Think about this. I mentioned this last service. I've told you guys things like this before. For those of you who, in sports and stuff like this, for water polo, not so much for swimming. I, I, I swam, played water polo, played soccer most of my life, but high school, mainly swimming and water polo. We had hell week. Now, football has hell week, and I'm sure other sports do too. And, and during our hell week of sports and stuff, we would practice more than once a day. And we would do a lot more exercise and a lot more training, things that we would never do. We'd swim with our clothes on. We would do running. That we, We'd have to do sprints in the pool, outside the pool, a lot more push-ups, a lot more lifting weights, a lot more everything during this time. Trying to get us in shape, trying to push our bodies to limits and stuff. And... The thing about that was it was making us better players. And for those that didn't like it, they quit. They just gave up. They're just like, I, I'm not, I, it's not what I thought it was going to be. For those of us who had played before, we kept pressing on. But we want to apply that to our faith. The things that we go through in life, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you, it's hard sometimes when we suffer because we, we think like Christians aren't supposed to suffer, and yet the Bible says otherwise. And as the Bible says otherwise, we have to come to grips with that and going, listen, God is with us in our pain. But He doesn't always just take away the pain. He doesn't always take away the trials. He allows us to go through the trials that He might speak to us. Sometimes our afflictions work to awaken us. Listen, C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but it shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's interesting because it, when it says we are hard pressed, that phrase hard press, hard press, excuse me, means hunted. Paul was a wanted man. He was a hunted man. Again, I told you in Acts 23, verse 12, it says, And it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And he says, yet not crushed. Let me ask you, for those of you who have a hard life, is it because God is allowing it, or is it because you make bad choices? Is it because God is testing you? Is it because God is allowing you to go through trials and suffering and struggles? Or is it because you just choose to run from God? You're making bad decisions and you have to see the consequences of those bad decisions. See, Paul's life was hard because he was a passionate, devoted man of God. Wanted to share the gospel. He understood the triumph, the victory that, that there was in Jesus. He was also saying this. Notice in verse 10 where he's saying, always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying this. He always felt as if death 
was at his door, but it was working in him. Not only Jesus' death changed his life, but the fact that the trials and everything he went through was building him spiritually. And it was not only building him spiritually, but what he was trying to say to the church, he goes, my suffering is also for you. That you could see, listen, it's not time. Don't give up. Don't quit. Press on. You haven't crossed the finish line. You ever seen people that are racing, whether it's like a marathon or something, and their legs are so weak and they're flimsy and they're trying to... Sometimes I've seen people that literally crawl. They crawl at the end, cross that finish line. Or they're trying to walk or jog or whatever because their legs are so shot from running this marathon. By the time they get to that finish line, they're just, they collapse, barely can make it. Paul knew the, vic the power and the victory of Jesus in his life. And he was continuing in every situation. He wasn't going to give up. He wanted the life of Jesus evident in his life. Look at this. Philippians 3, verse 9 through 11. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, See, I believe many want to have this power of the resurrection. But we don't want to know about the fellowship of the suffering or being conformed to his death. And yet, there's something that when we go through tough times, it changes us. Let me ask you a question. You ever gone through something and somebody, a friend or somebody, or maybe a teacher, I don't know, somebody comes up to you like, everything's going to be okay. And in your, head, in your head, you say things like, can you be quiet? Like, you don't understand. You don't understand. You'd never hurt. Right? You ever say things like that? Like, you don't know what I'm going through. Whatever's. They may or may not. But in your head, you're thinking, you don't understand. But when you're talking to somebody who understands hardship, you're willing to listen what they have to say back, right? You're willing to listen because you know that they've gone through hardships. I mentioned last service, I go, uh, Nick Voracek, Life Without Limbs. Uh, if any of you have heard him speak, I've shared with you this before. He's a very great, powerful speaker. And I think whether he had arms or legs, like he would be a great, powerful speaker. But why do more people listen to him? Why is it that he has had the privilege now to share his testimony and to share the gospel all over the world, literally with kings and rulers and those in authority, which is kind of interesting. God is using him in a way that God used Paul, in a sense, at times. And yet he was born without arms and legs. He literally couldn't survive on this earth without help of others. And yet... God uses him in a powerful way. And I believe li people listen to him because when they see him, they're like, whoa, wait, this guy's going and going and going, traveling the world, sharing the gospel, talking about hope, talking about life and all these other things, and he's not giving up. And yet, 
what does he have to live for? Well, now he has a wife and kids, and so he has a lot to live for. But he understood what was in him. It wasn't about the earthen vessel, the clay pot that he is. It was about what's in him, and he was protecting that. He understood that the gospel message that he has is a treasure, but it wasn't a treasure, and it isn't a treasure that he keeps to himself. It's a treasure that we share. It's a treasure that we want other people to have and say, listen, you possess this. Now, you ever played keep away in a sense? Like we used to do this thing with in, in water polo. Uh, our coach would let us do it sometimes at the end of practice. And uh, we would play, uh, we'd break up into teams and it would play like gorilla ball. And basically you had to try to get the ball from uh, one side to the other without throwing it. And so it was our team again. And so one of the guys would like hug the ball and then you would try to push that guy as far as you can to the other side. But everybody's reaching in trying to rip that ball out from his arms. And he's protecting this water polo ball with his whole life. And at one point, like the whole team is on top of him and he's like drowning and stuff. And, and it's crazy. All for a, a ball that we're trying to get to the other side. But he's protecting it with everything. I mean, holding on entire strength and won't let people reach in. You ever played capture the flag? When you're playing capture the flag and stuff, your whole thing is you're trying to protect this flag, this thing of no value. And so you do everything, you, you hide, you, you, you do all these things and, uh, in order to, to do that. You know, I, I played at SC Village one time, you know, as a paintball place and stuff. And when you do that, there's bunkers, there's all these other things and things to hide behind. And what you're doing is trying to guard what's valuable to your, your team, your side. I watched a movie the other day. I don't know what it's rated, but it's probably rated R because it's gory, but I think it was a true story of uh, Hacksaw Ridge. I know it's an older movie now, but um, I, I just saw it for the first time, and it's really, really gory, a lot of blood. But a powerful, powerful movie. And um, it was emotional even. You know, when I watch movies like that, that you know it's true. It's just heavy. And these guys went into battle, hungry, dirty, filthy, hiding, knowing that the enemy's right there to attack them. And they had to press on. And when they had to retreat, they went back down and then later went back up. They didn't go back up this ridge until they got prayer. And they knew that people were praying and, and seeking the Lord for them on their behalf. And they went back up to continue to fight continue to press on <clears throat> have you ever seen like at knots or other places now that they have this bar and if you can hang on for a minute or two like you can get a stuffed animal it's funny because i've seen guys do that and it's like you don't realize that hanging on to a bar for a minute or two is really hard hanging on to it for a few seconds seems like forever but it's interesting because people will do it for a stuffed animal. And yet Christians will let go of the gospel for, for nothing. People will hold on to a water polo ball just to be victorious with their team. But people will let go of the gospel because it's hard. And yet Paul says, I've been hard-pressed. I've been hunted. 
on every side and not crushed. I've been perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. My life's not over. Matter of fact, I keep going, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to go. You can't stop me. Matter of fact, the guy that uh, the movie Hacksaw Ridge is about, he, he says, one more. God, help me get one more. God, help me rescue one more. God, help me rescue one more. Bullets are flying at him. His life is in jeopardy, and he's like, God, help me get one more, and he gets one more, and he gets one more, and he gets one more, and I believe he saved like 75 guys on that ridge that day. It's a powerful story. It's a really gory movie, so let me tell you, it's like a lot of blood. <laughs> but for us, we have something to protect. We have something inside of us that is so powerful, that is so amazing, this treasure. Let me ask you guys. Some of you maybe don't care, but some of you, if you lost your phone, would you freak out? And you've been told, like, no more phones? <laughs> like, I'm not buying you another one? Like, if you lose it, this is it? Is that your livelihood? Have you ever misplaced your phone for a minute? And then all of a sudden you're freaking out? And even worse, your parents find it and it's in their hand? You're like, oh no, <laughs> did they open it? Do they see? Treasure. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. It's our salvation. Because that's your treasure. And you have it. Not only do you have it, but he goes, you need to share. And he goes, the life I've been through isn't just for me, but it's for you. And it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes about who the Lord is and what he's done. And it's amazing because when you read books like Philippians and others, when you hear the life story of Paul where he says, listen, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. This is a man who was taught by the best. This is a man who was well known in the community. This is a man who had everything according to that community, according to the people of his day. And yet he was willing to give it all up for this relationship that he had with Christ for the excellence of the knowledge of God, for the light of the knowledge of God, verse 6. All these things. So why was it so precious that he was protecting? He fought so hard to protect. That's why he's writing this letter to protect the gospel. Listen, you need to know the truth, he says. And you need to guard the truth with all you've got. To me, I believe it's one of the most important things in the day and age we're living in right now to think about what matters to us. What do we hold dear? Is it the gospel? Are we protecting it? And as we protect it, the Bible says we're to pour it out. We're to share this. Notice verse 12, so that death is working in us, but life in you. Going through this hardship, but it's breathing life in you. What is it about this man? What was it about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that kept them from burning? What was it about Daniel being saved from that lion's den? What was it that gave David strength to fight Goliath? What was it 
that got people through, that got Paul through when he was in prison. Why did Paul keep going even though he was persecuted and left for dead and all the trials that he went through? He understood the treasure that he had. He understood what was worth fighting for and pressing on, knowing that it was not only for him, but it was also for those around him. Notice it says in verse 14, in verse 13, first, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Listen, the gospel's worth fighting for and it's worth taking a stand and it's worth protecting at all cost and it's worth sharing. But do you have the faith? So much we're so afraid of what people think of us. And yet the Lord's like, I got you covered. The enemy's going to come at you at all angles, at all sides. But hold fast. The Lord's got you. It says, verse 15, For all things are for your sake, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to bound to the glory of God. God's doing the work, you guys. But it's hard because we don't see it. What do we see? We get tunnel vision. We see what's in front of us. And what's in front of us right now is who's going to be the president? Who's not? What's going on in politics? What's going on with COVID? What's going on with this? And what's going on with that? We get tunnel vision. All we can do is see what's right in front of us. And the Lord's like, no, you're not looking at the right thing. You're so worried about today and, and everything else. You're, you're worried about all these things here on earth. And you're not focused on heaven. You're not focused on the thing that you're supposed to be protecting. You let down your guard. The enemy sent fake things over this way to distract you from this way. Your eyes should be on the prize. Your eyes should be on the finish line, and yet you're not. You're on COVID. Your eyes are on your friends. Your eyes are on everything but Jesus. You've taken your eyes and your heart, and you're not protecting what the, the Lord, that treasure that has been held, given to you. His heart was to serve the church, Paul's heart, to serve the community. Paul's heart was motivated by the glory of God. He believed with all his heart that what he was going through was for a purpose. And he didn't know that purpose at the time, but he really believed with all his heart that what he went through was for a purpose. And it makes me think about the fact that I was taught in ministry, if you're going to go deep with God, you've got to go through deep things. I never understood that until I started going through deep things. I was talking to a friend the other day, and they're like, hey, we're having a baby. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. And I didn't know their story. And they said, well, we already were pregnant, but we miscarried. And, you know, and, and now we're pregnant. And we just heard the heartbeat, and, but I'm really nervous. And, 
And, and all of a sudden, you guys, I got emotional. Because, I mean, every bit of it was our story. Every bit of it. And I understood in a way that nobody else that hasn't gone through that can understand. Anybody else can be emotional towards it, can be heartbroken toward it, but like we lived it. We lived that. And living that changes you. And when they said they're fearful at how this pregnancy will go, I know that what that's like. I know exactly what that's like. I know going into the hospital the second time when we were pregnant with Emma because Brandy wasn't feeling good and they put us in the same emergency room that they told us a few months back that we were going to miscarry our first child. I know what that's like. And so when our, my friend was telling me, I was excited for them, but I also could feel their cares, their concerns, their fears. Everybody else was like, oh, we're praying for you. And I'm like, I am praying for you in a way that I can tell you I understand because I have felt that. And there's something powerful about coming alongside somebody and feeling like they know me and they understand and can understand this. We don't always have to go through what people have gone through to feel their pain and suffering. But when we know somebody's gone through something, we're willing to hear them. We're willing to know, listen, like, oh, they've had a hard life, but they're going. So what is that about their hard life? Why is it they keep going? I want to be like that. I, I, I see people like that. I have people like that in my life. I have a friend that uh, I used to, he used to be a youth minister down in San Diego. We used to do summer camps together. And now he's up in uh, Huntington Beach area. He just posted that his daughter had her last chemo after two and a half years of cancer and treatment and stuff. Right now she's done. Lord willing, God's going to heal her. His daughter is, I don't know how old, eight or nine? Two and a half years of fighting. I can't imagine. I don't want to imagine. I've seen pictures. I've followed the story and praying for her. But as a father, not only as a father, as a, a little girl, all the suffering she's gone through, I can't imagine what that family's gone through in the last two and a half years. My family's been through a lot this last year, but Two and a half years of what they've gone through, I can't imagine. So we pray. What I'm saying is you have stories too. And you're going to have more stories. But God's not done with you. And He's allowing you to go through things. And even your mess-ups, even your choices where you've messed up, God is working and he's going to get your attention if you let him and get you back on track and go, listen, I'm not done with you. I have something more for you. I've given you the gospel, this treasure, so that you could protect it, so that you could share it. And you got to understand the value that it is. That value that it is in you. Notice what he says in verse 16. We don't lose heart. We can't give up. 
yeah, but it seems like I can't win every time I turn around. I feel like I keep getting knocked down. Then get up one more time. This isn't over. There's one more person out there that God needs to, God wants to use you to share his love with. He wants to. I was faced with a question last night that's just been almost, I wasn't going to mention it today, but I plan to now. It's a question that my wife brought up. She was studying the scriptures yesterday or the day before, and she was faced with something, and I thought this was powerful. This is something I want to ask you, even the leaders. You know the story of the paralytic man that was lowered down through the roof? My wife wrote this down. The Lord was speaking to her and said, Who is it that has brought you to Jesus in this last year through all the stuff you're going through? So she just started writing names down of people that she felt like were bringing her to Jesus and helping her grow in her walk through this last year of stuff. And she went on to ask my kids that question. And then I started asking myself that question. I also asked myself, whose list would I be on? Would I be on a list? Not only who has brought me closer to Jesus, you know, in my life, but whose list would I be on? I tell you what, man, when I think about that, it just has been weighing heavy on me since yesterday. Because I want to be on you guys' list. And I pray you would be of mine. That we would bring each other to Jesus and all that we do and all that we are. Our light affliction. Man, when I read that he wrote a light affliction, I was like, light affliction? All that you've been through, and you call it a light affliction. Notice what he says, don't lose heart. He said that in verse 1. He's saying it again. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Powerful, isn't it? Share the treasure and protect it. And so although his suffering takes a toll on the outward, the inward man is being renewed day by day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, on Wednesday night, we had a, an afterglow. I honestly, I wish we could have kept going. I felt like God was just, felt like there was a heavy weight at the beginning, and I felt that weight was starting to be released. I think people were doing business with God and like letting go of things, which was powerful. Hope that continues. 
the outward, it's going to show signs of wear and tear. Our body, you know, it's interesting. You ever did one of those things on yourself, like to watch yourself get old, <laughs> like online? I don't have to do that. I look in the mirror now and I'm like, oh. I see pictures of myself when I was young and I'm like, oh, wow. And I think, what have I been through? Look at what Paul's been through. Beaten. Bible talks about it as stripes. Prisons. Stoned. Shipwrecked. Perilous waters. Robbers. Perils against his own countrymen. Against the Gentiles in the city, in the wilderness, and the sea, false teachings. He was weary and in toil. He was sleepless, often hungry and thirsty, cold and nakedness. Sometimes I think we have it hard, and I don't think we realize what we have. I don't think we realize what we have because we're so. Southern Californianized. <laughs> the gospel. The greatest gift ever given. Gift of life. True life. Eternal life. And it's yours. It's yours to protect. It's yours to keep. See, our, our affliction is light compared to what others suffer. Our affliction is light compared to what we deserve. Our affliction is light compared to what Jesus suffered. It's light compared to the blessings we enjoy. But notice it says, For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Put what you've been through on a scale and compare it to what we have in Christ. There's no comparison. So why are you giving up? Why are you quitting? Why you downcast, oh my soul, put your hope in God. You can't stop. You can't quit. You want to be victorious? You got to keep fighting. Don't let your guard down. The second you let down your guard is when the enemy who is hunting you. Listen. You ever hid to scare your friends? To pop out? If you've played paintball, if you've played capture the flag, if you've ever hid to scare your friends and stuff and you're waiting and you try not to breathe, you try not to be heard, you try not to make a noise and you know they're going to come through here. You're stalking them, you're hunting them, they're prey to you. Oh, I mean, it's just a joke, hopefully, or whatever else. But the whole thing is, is you're trying to hide, not to be seen and looking for an opportunity to strike. That's exactly what Paul went through. People were after him. People wanted him dead because of what he shared, the hope of the gospel, because of the treasure that was in him. They wanted to eradicate that treasure. They wanted it gone. But he protected it at all costs. My question to you is, will you, are you, do you put on your armor Ephesians 6, to protect this treasure. Will you, do you, share this treasure with others? 
you and I need to take our eyes off of the world. Because it says in verse 18, We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Listen, get your eyes off of the stuff that's stressing you out. I'm not saying don't care about them. Like if it's school, do school. Like I get it. (laughs) But the cares of this world will consume us. And the one thing that should consume us is the Holy Spirit and the Lord just overflowing in and through us. God has an amazing plan and purpose for your life and mine. See, Paul's life can be looked at almost like a failure. He was something and he became nothing. He was taught by Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee. He was privileged. He was somebody. And he was somebody who became nothing. But he says, I consider that that I gain the whole world. Because he says, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? He says, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. So I want to encourage you guys this morning is this. Listen, I think we've been protecting the wrong things, guarding the wrong things. We care more about our phones. We care more about friendships that don't last, that aren't even godly. We care more about those things than we care about the one thing that we're supposed to protect at all costs our salvation, the gospel message, hope. Listen, it's worth fighting for. You will go through hardships. Those hardships will make or break you. The Lord will allow you to go through those hardships because the testing of our faith produces perseverance, it produces character, and it produces hope. And remember that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that it's worth fighting for to take a stand. You are His earthen vessel. The treasure is in you that the excellence of the power of God may be not of you, but of God. Not of you. People are going to see God doing amazing things in and through you. And they're going to go, but it's just... And you're going to go, yep. I'm allowing God to use me. And God is doing amazing works. And we never forget that it's Him who's doing all the work. And we give Him all the credit.